listening to Corn on the Macabre. Hi, welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Atkins. I'm Hunter Moore. And welcome. And the theme is... To our show. (laughs) (laughs) You killed it. You fucking killed it. Nailed it. (laughs) The theme I, Hunter, picked is identity theft. (laughs) Wow, Hunter. What a great topic. I know. I'm full of great ideas like that. I sure wish I had thought of that. Yeah, it's okay. I understand how hard you work, Katie, and sometimes you just don't have the time to think of a really good theme because you're just so busy editing. Hours and hours of work. I really I appreciate so much work. all of the work that you do. <laughs> the sacrifice and effort you make for this show. It's so true, though. It's very true. I, as Katie Adkins, definitely do like 80% of the work. I like to do research and show up. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. You do more than that. You do more. <laughs> you come up with you come up with fun episode ideas. Like I think the uh, the quiz thing was a really good idea. Yes. And you did a lot of work I'm for that. Su- I'm super pumped about We're that. We're gonna do an episode where we take we take like stupid BuzzFeed like true crime quizzes or like make your dream home and we'll tell you what serial killer you've caught or something. Or serial killer you are. Yeah, or like like it's just silly stuff like that. And like I know that I think I know true crime stuff, but then when I go to, like I've taken a couple of the quizzes just to like see how I did and I did horribly. Really? I did horribly. And I think it's because it's like certain aspects of them, of different serial killers will stick in my brain, but there's so many different like weird things that they all there's did. There's too many of them. They all kind of blend together for yeah. me. Yeah. And like some of them are like kind of have similar like calling cards and stuff. So, you know, it, I did not do as well as I thought I did. So it'll be. But I'm more excited to like about the goofy ones that t- like that's like make a house or like pick your dream vacation and <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll tell you uh you know what famous serial killer you would date or something. Well, which one would you date based off your dream home? Did did, did you get an answer? Or do we have to do the episode to learn that? I don't know. It's okay. We'll do the episode. We'll know. all figure out. We'll all learn. We'll find out. Who tune uh, in to find out. <laughs> First, I guess since our topic's identity theft, we gotta start off with, um, have you had any experience with identity theft? Have I? <laughs> no. I have not had. Well, no. 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 no definitely no. not. Although, I, I expect that I probably will not because, um, You're untouchable. Because your fiancé, Kyle... Um, oh, I forgot we're doing the, each other's yeah. parts. <laughs> okay, you can you can talk about we can be Katie and Hunter again. It's okay. Okay, okay. We so, don't have to do the okay. whole episode like this. I thought it was just fun for the intro. <laughs> that would be a little complicated, <laughs> especially for people listening who don't even That's see us. <laughs> Which is most of our listeners. The YouTube That's aspect true. is very new. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Kyle. I remember one time I was like. Yeah, I just, like, cycle through the same, like, four passwords and just kind of, like, and change it up a little bit. And he lost his mind. Lost his ever-loving mind. He was like, don't you know how serious identity theft is and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I mean, like, I don't have anything for people to steal. And he was like, like, mind blown. Just, like, oh went God. off on this whole, like, he was literally mad at me. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. I remember that. So now I use, um, uh, one password. 
one password like a password manager i was like you use one password no, it's the it's it's a password manager called One Password, and it oh. it like generates like okay, yeah, I know it's like LastPass that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I just have like a little like well, I'm not gonna tell you because <laughs> I don't want you guys to get into my stuff, but I have a place where I write them down, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll trust you guys and not steal my identity. <laughs> okay, what about you? Um, well, my experience with identity theft is mostly my fucking debit card constantly, not constantly, in college it constantly got duplicated, and I blame the gas station across from the dorms. Oh, the uh, the one across from the commons? Yeah. Oh, sketch is full. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I learned the hard way, don't use your PIN number at a gas pump, because some gas stations save that information and use it and sell it, and, like, there's no way to, like, really trace that back to them, like, it can't be pinned on them. So if you can, at a gas pump, just say it's a credit card and then just put your zip code instead. And um, because literally, I almost got stranded in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. Like it was really bad because I had no gas and then my card was canceled because uh, someone oh in God. New York used it. And my bank flagged the card entirely and like oh froze it. And I was two hours outside of Atlanta, just at this rinky-dink, middle-nowhere, like, gas station. And I did not know what to do. And I called my bank, and I was like, can you unfreeze it? And they were like, well, can you confirm these purchases? And I'm like, well, that wasn't me, but, like, I need money. money. I don't have <laughs> yeah. anything else right now. Oh, my God. And they were like, we can't unfreeze it. And I'm like, the what? I was so angry. Back This is, like, 2010 time, by the way. I so I, th- I think things are much different now. I didn't have a smartphone back then. I had a fucking flip phone. Like, things were not going well for me. The way you just said, like, just unfreeze it. I just had a flashback <laughs> to Frozen. Just unfreeze it. Or, no, Anna literally goes, like, well, just unfreeze it. And I was like, I can't. I don't know how. And then the bank I, just, like, I just like, I just like, the poor bank representative. Uh, I can't. I don't know how. No, so uh, re-edit Elsa, but with like the Chase Bank logo where her head is. I don't know how. What's okay, you can just unfreeze it. No, I can't. I, I don't know how. Chase Bank's new um, motto is let, let it go, let it go, <laughs> let it go. I got super lucky by the fact that I was a young white girl and people took pity on me in middle nowhere, Georgia. That's one of the few demographics where that works out there. This random ass dude and his wife were like, we'll pay for a full tank of gas for you. And I was like, thank Aww. you. And then I asked him, I was like, why are you doing this? And he was like, well, if our daughter was in this situation, we would hope someone would help her. And I was like, okay, so it's just because I remind you of your daughter. That's cool, but still, thanks for helping. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was really really nice of them, and so I was able to get back thanks to their their charity. And then later that week, after I got my new card, it happened again, and I had only made exactly one purchase with that new card at that gas station. So that's how I really narrowed it down to that gas station. That gas station is like. <laughs> If there ever was really, like, a true portal to hell on Earth. They tore it down and rebuilt it. It's huge now. It's like a little shopping center. It's crazy. Well, now it, that's, like, building a shopping center on, like, an Indian burial ground. Like, it's cursed. I don't I mean, know. I agree. The I- amount of, like horrific things that likely happened at that gas station, that air, that little spot, that little corner yep. of downtown Atlanta. 
real bad. Is cursed. No, my other weird experience was just probably, like, that one girl who, like, wanted my life, and it was really uncomfortable, and she, like, lied to all my friends, like, lied to my boyfriend, started dating my boyfriend, got blue eye contact, started liking all the same things as me, and, like, not dressing like me, but, like, wearing a lot more black. I was told later I was trying to, like, play a lot of the, like, same games that I like to play that she wouldn't normally have played. And what's weird is when I was friends with her, like, a lot of the stuff I was interested in, she was actively, like, like, ew, I don't like that. Like, anime specifically was a huge thing. And it was just, like, super weird. And she, like, changed her hair. And I was like, this is... The blue eye contacts is what really threw me over the edge. That's yeah. when I was like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, that... No. <laughs> like, I, I understand that there's a lot of people out there who, like, just want to wear color contacts. But sure. this was a very specific, sure. like, weird situation where I was told later by her ex-boyfriend, not the guy that I dated, a, a different guy who I'm friends with, he told me that he, like, saw her one time, like, going through every single one of my photos on Facebook and she had looked at every single photo of mine on Facebook, and she just kept, it was like, he said it was like, she was like in like a hypnosis. She was just like, she's so pretty. She's so pretty. Oh my God, she's so pretty. Like saying it over and over and over again, like looking at photos of me. And I was like, it's the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. No. I was like, no, oh no, no. my God. Don't like that. So if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have read into the other stuff as much. And the fact that we were close friends, but she was telling all these lies about me behind my back. Yeah. That's like just really creepy. felt like she wanted to be me. It feels me. very like, it manipulative. Was so creepy. Yeah. yeah it was gross. like, it was like, I want your life and I want your friends. And she got all of it. Almost. Not all of it. All of it. She couldn't bribe Sammy. She tried though. <laughs> she used to buy Sammy random shit and Sammy would be like, thanks, and then like leave. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Bye. Yeah, she tried to schmooze like every, like almost like anyone she could get in contact with. A schmoozer. Ugh. Yeah, she tried to schmooze and she tried to schmooze Kelly. Like, and Kelly was just like, fuck, no. <laughs> no schmoozers allowed around here. But yeah, like that was one of the weirdest relationships, like friendships, like just, inner, like, do you call it a relationship? Like, just the weirdest way I've ever known anyone in my life. I've That's never weird. met anyone like her before or since. There was something really disturbing about that girl, and I'll never understand. But that's my other, I guess, I didn't yeah. need that experience. Yeah. That's gross, and I don't like that. Yeah. So. It's so weird. Which is a great segue, actually. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. It being gross and me not liking it is a, is a great segue into my case. I found from an episode, uh, Snapped, great true crime show, love it, um, season 30, episode 13, if you're wondering. I'm gonna leave, I mean, I guess the topic has kind of spoiled the surprise. Oh. So to speak. Okay. There's clearly identity theft in my story. Oh, yes, there's identity theft in all of the stories, heads yes. up. <laughs> But I don't know, maybe we'll still be surprised. We'll try. I have sources from the SM Daily Journal, um, the LA Times, findagrave.com, and Encyclopedia Britannica, of course. Love them. Love Britannica. <laughs> we love Britannica. <laughs> love them. We stand Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna set Some the scene. scene because it, it, it does actually matter. It's not just for not just for fun this time. Um, we're in Oakland, California, in the nineties. Oh, okay. It's a mess. It's a a mess. really bad time. 
like super duper. They've been through a lot. In 1989, there was a 6.9 magnitude earthquake. Um, and for reference, the highest recorded magnitude earthquake has been an 8.6. Um, so like super, super severe earthquake. Um, so that happened. And then in 1991, a massive firestorm um, burned down nearly 4,000 homes, killed 25 people, and injured hundreds more. Oh my god. With the loss of life. Um, there was also an estimated economic loss of $1.5 billion, and it was the worst firestorm in American history until 2017. Oh my god! So we have those two natural disasters, right? Bad time. On top of that, there were extremely high crime and drug rates. Their uh, crack cocaine was really widespread at the time. A lot going on. On July 1st, 1997, um, in Oakland, a woman named Monica Joy Boyette heard a knock on her door late at night. It was a woman asking her for help, clearly burned and she recognized this woman as one of the Allman sisters who lived nearby. Quote, I could not tell which one of the sisters it was. She was burnt really bad. Oh, no. She said someone threw something in her window. End quote. They call 911. Firefighters arrive at the home. It's fully engulfed in flames. They ask the woman who she is. She identifies herself as Stevie Allman, 52 years old as the owner of the home. Um, she tells them that drug dealers had surrounded her house, threw Molotov cocktails through the window, intending to kill her because she had embarked on a crusade against drugs and crime in the area by basically she would like film crimes happening and then send the videotapes into the police. Wow. So that they could go get the criminals. Apparently, she says that some local drug dealers had caught on to what she was doing. They were pissed off about it as you would expect, um, and they had begun threatening her. This checks out because officials um, confirmed that they had been called to the home twice before to extinguish fires set outside the house. So this is, you know, clearly this has been attempted before. And Stevie had been recording these drug dealings for over a year. Wow. So it's entirely reasonable <clears throat> that she has made enemies. Stevie claims to have been the only one in the home because her sister, Sarah Mitchell, who had lived with her, had recently moved out because she was afraid of the threats that the drug dealers were making against her sister. Yeah, I'd be freaked out too, man. Yeah, so she went to live with a boyfriend in Nevada. The house, ravaged by fire, now it's burned to the ground. This had been the home that Stevie, her sister Sarah, and their seven siblings had grown up in, um, their childhood home. And Stevie Stevie, mind you, is 52 years old, so th this has been their home for a very long time. Yeah. Their father left the family when they were young, leaving them with just their mother, and Stevie, being one of the older siblings, um, really kind of stepped up and helped take care of the younger kids, including Sarah. Sarah was five years younger than Stevie. 47. Are we doing math? Yes. That's math I can do. Math. <laughs> five. Five plus five. <laughs> Did it. <laughs> 52 minus 5 is 47. <laughs> okay, so Stevie, all her life, 
was known as a very kind, hardworking, honest woman. After she and her siblings had grown up, all of her siblings had left home, um, but Stevie stayed home with her mother to take care of her as she was aging. So while she was doing that, she also worked for a local family business as a secretary. And she worked there for years. Um, so clearly like a very stable person who doesn't do drugs. Doesn't do drugs. <laughs> and clearly isn't like looking for an adventure, you know? They're just trying um, to do the right thing. They're a good Samaritan. Yeah. I'm just um, trying to do my duty, sir. Um, a quote from Terry Wiley, who is a prosecutor, quote, Stevie was a very sweet person. One of the rocks of the family. End quote. Um, a crime <laughs> journalist. Right. Good to know. Look. Look, a crime journalist. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Pat Lalama. 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 Let me gander at the Lalama. Lalama. Who knows? I, I like Lalama. I like that too. It's L A L A M A. Okay, so she says, "quote There is a special bond between Stevie and her sister, who is five years younger. It wasn't uncommon for people to mistake them for twins. However, their physical appearance seemed to be the extent." of their similarity. By her 30s, Sarah was struggling. She Aww. had already been divorced with three young children. Quote, Sarah would meet a man, move in with him, then it would fall apart and she'd end up back living with Stevie and her mother. Sarah, no! So she's going back and forth, you know, when she's down on her luck, she lives with Stevie and then she finds some new guy or some new adventure. It doesn't work out, she goes back to living with Stevie. When Sarah was staying with Stevie, she um, she would cook and clean and kind of take care of the house while Stevie worked. Her kids would come with her and live with them. Eventually, Sarah's kids grew up and moved out, did their own thing. So it's just Stevie, Sarah, and their mother um, until 1994 when the mom passes away um, and she leaves the house to her children, split it evenly. But since really all of the other siblings had moved out, hadn't lived there in years, Stevie buys out basically their shares of the house. So she owns the house outright, including Sarah's share. Even though Stevie owns the house, she continues to let Sarah stay with her. So now we go back to 1997, the night of the fire. After hearing the story about the drug dealers, authorities asked for Stevie's contact information to verify it. They were busy putting out a fire. They didn't have time to like check for IDs or whatever. They were just like, okay, sure, you are who you are. <coughs> and the neighbor was there to be like, yes, this is, this is Stevie, who at this point had been taken to the hospital claimed that her address book had been in the house and so clearly had burned up in the fire um so she didn't have weird like specific. her contact information i guess i don't she didn't know her contact information off the top of her head yeah okay there, there, oh my address book i am i'm there, old i'm 52 how am i supposed to remember things there's like a numbers couple early red flags here but you have to remember that like it's panic mode this is a burn victim panic mode yeah like you're gonna be like oh they're just disoriented the arson is the crime that they're concerned about right now she's like sorry i don't have my contact information on me um and she didn't have her like id or anything because she had just been carted off to the hospital so sure whatever so stevie has 
burns to 15% of her body, covering her face, arms, and legs. While she's being treated at the hospital, they release a statement on her behalf to the media in which she openly defies her alleged attackers and says basically a big old fuck you. Um, and talks about her, you know, like urges her, the rest of the city to continue her anti-crime activism. Quote, this is from the statement that was released. I have no doubt they intended to murder me and burn the house down on top of me. Their warped minds thought the act would clear the way to do their dirty dealing and at the same time scare everyone else along 50th Avenue and beyond into a submissive, terrified state. She implores her neighbors to, quote, please stay involved, join the neighborhood watch. So she's she's very much like I'm just doing the My good work and trying to do what's right and, and, and drugs. These people can't scare me. I'm tough. Rah, 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 whatever. For residents of Oakland who by this point had lived in the last ten years, recently two natural disasters, the drug epidemic, violent crimes. They're like, hey, like this lady's fucking killing it. Like yes, this is this is finally like someone doing something about this. They they really um commiserated with her and really saw her as sort of a face for crime fighting and so within days dozens of Oakland residents had cleaned the street in front of her destroyed house and $3,000 had been donated to a fund set up to cover her hospital bills. Wow. In total there were 92 checks that added up to $4,700. That's nice. So Carolyn Kemp who was the Um, public information officer at the time said quote she started getting donations and people asked if they could donate money so we processed any monetary gifts that came through for her so basically people would send the hospital money and be like hey this is to cover her bills bills." so it wasn't going straight to her to her so then governor then at the time governor pete wilson um announced a fifty thousand dollar reward for the arrest and conviction of stevie's attackers Stevie even got a call from the White House saying, What? Keep up the good work. You're so brave and cool and good job. Glad you're not dead. Thanks for not dying. Yeah. So Was this... that Bill Clinton? Did Bill fucking no. Clinton or was it George Bush? It might have been the first Bush. Bush well, senior? Well, no, 97. So the election is in 2000 because it's every four years. So it would have been whoever served from 96 to 2000. Is that Bill Clinton? I guess. I don't know. Before he really resigned? Probably. I don't. I was five. So look, so was I. I. We were we are the same <laughs> age. Hey, look Bill at you. fucking Clinton. <laughs> Bill fucking Clinton. Yeah, he was there till like ninety three to two thousand one. Yeah. I guess two thousand. I guess two thousand one was was two thousand one wasn't the election because George W. Bush was already president. I just remember everyone being mad at him because I was nine years old. And at he, Bill Clinton. And no, at George W. Bush after 9-11 happened. Yes. Um, because I remember him running against Al Gore. Yep. And the only reason why I know that is because my parents were very Republican and politically charged. And me, not understanding what was happening, thought Al Gore was a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was really bad. I thought, I, And I learned that by reading my old journal where I wrote, I think, Al Gore's terrorist. <laughs> 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 so I didn't know what had happened. I was like... I know a terror. I've never heard the word terrorist before. I'm like a terrorist attack happened. My parents hate Al Gore. It must have been him. Maybe it was him. And I thought that like he was trying to assassinate the president to take his place, like an old like 
You know, like in fantasy. I thought it was like, you know, you kill the king and you yeah. take his place as his brother. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> like, I was not, I didn't know how this shit worked. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Royalty. It's a monarchy. <laughs> I actually got a letter from Bill Clinton because I wrote to him about how I was really angry that people put up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> And how I thought it should be a law that people can't put Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving, which also happens to be around the time of my birthday. That had nothing to do with it. I had nothing sure. to do with it. Um, so, Did so you just- I got a letter back from Bill Clinton saying, thank you for your concern, citizen. We, I, Bill Clinton, <laughs> am thinking very hard about your concerns, and we'll take it seriously. Thank you for your support, citizen. Stamped Bill Clinton. <laughs> it was typed. It was one of oh, those, like, automated reply my things. my God. I lost my shit. I had it framed. <laughs> I had it framed. It took me years before my mom was like, you know, this that's is not, fake. It's, like, this is, this is not actually from, like, directly from Bill Clinton. <laughs> I know. It's like shit from <laughs> But man, I was so proud of that. That's I was so funny. So proud of you it. You're like, I made a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I made a fucking difference. I really and I I felt so strongly about that too. Like And that's I why was, they send those letters out to kids because they know that. Like as a kid, like if I saw Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, I would just full out like start sobbing. Bill Clinton would have stopped this. <laughs> and only he was still president today. Bill Clinton would have stopped these Christmas why decorations. Have you forsaken me? Oh my fucking god. Back to our great crime fighter Stevie Allman. Stevie Allman, let's go. Let's do yes. it. A burn victim. In How badly burn victim? Like she had she clearly there were severe burns but not like life-threatening okay but she wasn't like disfigured it was just like i have some scars on my arms and like i think she healed just fine okay yes she's getting all these donations to the hospital everyone's hearing about it the story had gotten national attention um so the pressure was really on for the detectives to find the people responsible for the fire so the detectives start they question local drug dealers um thinking you know maybe one of them would know about stevie and her videotaping how do you casually stuff. how do you casually question known drug dealers well you would have like and informants. not arrest them well you would have like informants and stuff oh okay and then if you if you're looking for specific information that you know only a drug dealer could have like you can like if you see someone who you know has been a drug dealer on the street you can go up to them and be like hey do you know anything about this and they can choose to answer you or not but if they're clearly not under arrest and they don't have anything to do with it, they'll probably tell you. Okay. Which is basically what happened. They were all like, we don't fucking know anything about this lady. We don't know anything about this fire. So, sorry. Which the detectives thought was kind of strange that, like, it wasn't even like, I don't know anything about the fire. It was they don't like, know who she is. They don't know who she is. They didn't know anything about her, like, videotaping them. Clearly, she had been, like, sneaky about it, and they clearly weren't all that mad about it if they didn't, they didn't know. know about it. Yeah, so they were like, okay, so something else is going on here. They um, go back to the arson report, which had come in, and they noted inconsistencies with the house being firebombed. When you think of a Molotov cocktail being thrown through a window, where would the glass from the broken window be? Inside the Inside house. the house. Guess where the glass wasn't? Outside the it house. It wasn't inside the house. It was outside the oh house. Oh my god. 
how would that happen? Super weird, right? This is elementary, people. <laughs> elementary. Even I'm not that bad of a criminal, and I'm not even a criminal. <laughs> Anyways, so they were like, huh, okay. Regardless of these, like, red flags that are coming up, the community is still just, like, all about C.B. Allman. We love her. She's, She's still great. good friends with Bill Clinton. Amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, there was one person who was not feeling so gracious towards Stevie Allman. Leota Belleville. Leota. I shit you not, which is the coolest name in my opinion. I love it. Leota Belleville, um, who was one of Stevie and Sarah's sisters. But that's filed. one of her sisters? Yes. Okay, she, her last name got changed. Okay. Yeah, she was married. She got married. She then knew her have, sister was full of shit. Yeah, we have Stevie Allman, and then Sarah, the sister. She She's Sarah Mitchell, because that's her like married name mm-hmm. now. And then Leota Belleville. But they're all sisters. Um, so Leota had filed a missing persons report for Stevie after seeing the news. As you might be, the police were like, why would you file a missing persons report after seeing your sister on TV? Leota insisted, um, actually that's not Stevie. Um, that is my sister Sarah. Who looks like Stevie. Who looks like Stevie. And Leota claims that the shy, reserved Stevie would never have been an active crusader against drugs. Stevie would never have filmed drug dealers. She wouldn't have even acknowledged them. She would have looked the other way. She wouldn't do anything. If we look back at it, like, she worked at the same place forever. She just stayed home, took care of her mom. safe. Like, yeah, like, clearly didn't want to get involved in people's business. So it seems like a weird, like, character flip for her to suddenly be, like, this outspoken crime fighter. So if this is actually Sarah in the hospital, then where's Stevie? Right. Because Stevie was the one supposed to be living at the house. Leota said that she had called Sarah on the phone when she was in the hospital, confronted her about it. So Sarah tells Leota, Sarah said she had a good reason for pretending to be Stevie, and it was because Sarah didn't have any insurance, but Stevie did. Oh my god. And so she was just using Stevie's name. To get insurance insurance. Yeah. And so Leota asks where, she's like, okay, whatever, but where's Stevie? Sarah first says that Stevie is in Lake Tahoe, but then a few minutes later, she says she's in Reno. Oh my god. This is alarming to Leota. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like, okay, but actually, where the fuck is she? Maybe parts of her and <laughs> both. So, <sighs> she, so Leota is like, okay, this is weird. Um, and also notes that there had been tensions between Stevie and Sarah. Apparently, Stevie had expressed frustration to Leota because Sarah um, really wasn't, like, doing her part. She was lazy, basically, and just kind of expected to be taken care of. Plus, Stevie had told Leota that she had been thinking about moving from Oakland to get away from all of the drug and crime in her city. Wait, Sarah or Stevie said that? Stevie said that to Leota, which again, just doesn't make sense. Since for her to be a crusader against the drugs and the crime, she just doesn't even want to be there. When she's considering just like up and leaving. Bro. Which is noteworthy because if she did decide to move from their childhood home, Sarah would not have a place to live and without financial support. So Sarah had a real stake in that. She's used to basically having a place to sleep, food on the table, and all she has to do is like kind of keep things clean, you know? Oh my god, I just can't, oh, how can people live with themselves like that? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, like that existence would make me depressed. (laughs) Like I couldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's not good. Detectives hear all of this and they're like, 
okay, something's up here. They bring in the woman from the hospital claiming to be Stevie Allman. And they say, hey, what's up, dude? Your sister here says that you're not Stevie Allman. What's that all about? <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> hey, where's Sarah? Can you call her? Can you call just, Sarah for just, us? Just help us out, you know? She says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm Stevie Allman. She, she just maintains, nope, I'm Stevie. That's it. And she says that when she had spoken with Leota in the hospital that night, her sister had been hysterical. So basically, like, Leota's just being fucking crazy. Whatever. Don't listen to her. However, the detectives persist and say, all right, well, um, could we see your ID? She opens her wallet, and the detectives notice that she has two IDs in her wallet. One what an idiot. One for Sarah Mitchell and one for Stevie Allman. Now, Sarah's supposed to be in Lake Tahoe and or Reno. Or Stevie. Did she say the same thing for Sarah? Or if, if Stevie is in Lake Tahoe or Reno. Yeah. Then why, why would she, she have RD? Why yeah. would, yes. Red flags are popping up. They managed to get fingerprints from her because she's still like, nope, I'm Stevie. I just guess I have my sister's ID. Weird. Uh, <laughs> how'd that get there? I, I don't know. That's so, yeah. why would she put her wow, ID crazy. in my <laughs> wallet? Oh my God, Sarah, you're so silly. Yeah. <laughs> so they take her fingerprints, um, which ended up matching a set taken in 1971 when she, aka Sarah Mitchell, was arrested for, this is not my word, prostitution. Oh, um, sex working. Sex working, yes. Um, so basically, at this point, Sarah is like, "All right, fuck, I'm caught." Yeah, she, you can't figure yeah, out. Like, you can you can only like stick with it, stick with your guns for so long. Um, so eventually, she confesses. She says, "All right, sure, I impersonated my sister. I'm sorry." They arrest her, but now that leaves the question: Where the fuck is Stevie Allman? She was supposedly living in this house. Where is she? The house is burned down. So she's not living there anymore. The investigators start with her bank accounts and they discover that all of her bank accounts had been emptied. We've noticed that Sarah Mitchell might not be the smartest bulb in the shed, so to speak. They go and look at the video footage from the bank and it's just Sarah Mitchell just clearing out Stevie's accounts just on video right there. Oh my um, god. Yeah. It was super clearly her. While they are investigating, there are other officers that are basically searching through the burned down remains of the house with um, a police dog. Oh, a cadaver dog? I don't know if it was a cadaver dog. I don't know if it was... They just say officers with a dog. I don't... It's probably a cadaver dog. And it, but it also... I feel like it also could have been like a... Like, like a just like a dog. Oh, like a dog. Like, here's her shirt. Go find her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was specifically a cadaver dog. Okay. I mean, it could have been. But uh, they find a charred freezer near the spot where they believe the blaze had been started. Inside the freezer, they find the dismembered body of Stevie Allman. Dismembered. I knew it somehow. I mean, I made that terrible joke about Reno and, like, Tahoe, but... Fuck, that's so much effort to dismember someone and drain their blood. Like, was there blood? Were they fully drained? So. Do we have um, those details? 
Other evidence in the home, including blood samples, indicated Stevie Allman had been killed in her bedroom and her body had been dismembered in the bathroom. July 23rd, 1997. So this is all thankfully less than a month. So things happened. They figured it out pretty quickly. Sarah's not a, a criminal mastermind. No, she's super duper. However, nice. she did manage to get a phone call from the from the president of the United States. So. Yeah. And I mean, she had, you know, all of these people had been like giving her money and supporting her and being like, "Oh, Stevie's so great." And so really Sarah had really been benefiting from all of this. Um July 23rd, 1997. Sarah is charged with the murder of her sister. She went to trial in November of 2000, where prosecutors make the case that Sarah had killed Stevie to um, steal her money, so the insurance claims from the house, and she apparently, Stevie also had some like money that she was supposed to get from her job as a secretary, like payouts from that. So they think that money was likely the motivation. And so they say that the night before the fire, while Stevie was sleeping, Sarah had walked into her bedroom, bludgeoned her over the head repeatedly, pulled her body to the bathroom where she cut into pieces. Jesus so Christ. Just brutal. Like, brutal and... Like, she was angry. Angry. This was and, personal. And just, like, desperate, too, you know? God, just get a job. <laughs> just get a fucking... Like, honestly, getting a job is way less work you, yeah. than this. Are you yeah. serious right now? Yeah. Like, this is... An astronomical amount of work to be a freeloader. She had taken a second to think it through. I Like, how did she expect, like, even if you dismembered the body, but then you leave it in a freezer in the house, you think no one is ever going to open that freezer? Why are you preserving it? Why didn't you try to burn it in the fire? Right? So, like... I mean, I don't believe she was smart enough to know that a fire would not have burned all of it. Like, a lot of people don't know yeah. that. Unless you're like us and you listen to this constantly and you're like, yeah, fire, a house fire wouldn't burn a whole body. No, there would still be teeth it wouldn't, and bones. But, like, like, she clearly just did not take even a single second to, like, really think things through at all. Like, she made mis... Like, Stupid, stupid mistake. Why would mistake. you preserve the body? That is so weird to me. Like, what I, was she gonna do? Eat it later? She clearly didn't do it because she thought it would help her get away with it. So she just did it because because she was angry, a murderous bitch. Like, what the fuck? which is just and Leota knew. Leota was like, Mm-mm. which is worse, I think, than if it had been like for a reason. Like she did it just because. I mean, she it was for money, but still. Well, not the murder, but like the dismembering. I mean. Yeah, no, the dismemberment like, is just there was cut. like no... it's so much extra work. Yeah, and to preserve it is the weirdest part I know. of all of it's, this. It's super weird. Like, go bury it in the forest like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> so, like a normal psychopath. <laughs> yes. So, we just talked about how horrible of a person, right? The judge, the jury, everyone agrees. Yeah. She is found guilty. That's just um, a weird level of fact. Yeah, she is found guilty of first-degree murder. Um, when it comes time for sentencing, her family actually asks that she be spared the death penalty. And on their behalf, the prosecutor explains, quote, they had been hurt enough to take the life of the second sister would be another stab in the heart. Would it, though? There, I mean, think about people related to serial killers where it's like, like, yes, they're a serial killer, but your entire life they've also been 
been your brother or your sister or you your, had some form of your kid, you know your son, like your daughter whatever like up until this point you yeah. had this idea of them as a person that can't just I mean for some people I'm sure you know they can kind of flip that switch they can uh, compartmentalize compartmentalize yeah. right I guess her family couldn't the judge basically was like I still think you're awful and I still think you deserve the death penalty psycho but I will take your family's opinion into account Sarah is sentenced to life in prison obviously I think it's like 95% certain that she started the fire there's no way she didn't right however if you think about it if she had put the body in the freezer why would she start the fire maybe she thought it would burn the freezer too maybe she's stupid maybe or maybe like Sarah was like she had all sorts of people in her life like maybe someone really did attack the house and it just was coincidentally the same night she murders her fuck sister that's a crazy coincidence it is it is really weird it's not impossible but like it's not impossible but like there are certain scenarios i can think of where it's like maybe she didn't set the fire or like maybe she had an accomplice like maybe she was working with someone and they set the fire i don't know it's just interesting and then the last question (sighs) where like we just don't know at all, which I think is super interesting. We don't know who was sending those videotapes of the crimes. Because someone actually was someone, they're recording are, they and sending the videotapes. I think Sarah was planning this murder from the beginning. Throwing the body in the freezer gets rid of so many fucking theories. It really does. Because that's such a weird fucking thing to do. Because you can't be like, oh yeah, my enemies were trying to kill me, so they dismembered me, threw me in a freezer, and then set my house on fire? And just dismembering, because like, if, if it's drug dealers they're not gonna cut they're not gonna dismember you neatly and throw you into a freezer like that's personal right so like things don't all necessarily line up and like so it could be delusional and unhinged and like threw all these stories together and like a weird mismatched thing yeah but like we don't know it could have been stevie sending in those videotapes yeah, do we really think Sarah is, like, sophisticated enough to have, like, cleaned up a body like that by herself? I do think she wanted it. I think she wanted the money bad enough. That she could have, like, very cleanly and calmly, like, gone through that entire process, cleaned up every single thing. Well, she didn't She didn't clean up everything. Oh, right. Because there There's was the blood blood. evidence. But, but that also points to her having an accomplice because yeah. it is really a lot of work. Cutting through bones and stuff is hard. But I just think it's interesting that like there are still unanswered questions and we just won't know. And people have different opinions. Like there's a neighbor who said that she, that he spoke with Stevie and like he was sure that it was Stevie he had talked was, to about the videotapes. No, he's this, oh, he's this positive. Says, he talked to Stevie he's like, before this. Fire. I talked to Stevie about the videotapes. So he's saying that it was Stevie sending in the videotapes. However, um, if you listen to this quote from Homicide Lieutenant Ralph Lacer, there are some tapes that I personally have seen. There is a possibility that we got those tapes from the dead lady. That's my opinion. We could have been hoodwinked, but I don't think so. Which is just the most, like, detective freezing oh in the world God. to me. All of the authorities basically think that it was 
Sarah. Sarah could have talked to people as Stevie before Stevie died. She could have impersonated her a few times or like answered the door and been like, yeah, I'm Stevie or whatever, depending on how they dress. I don't know how similar they look. I'll have to look at a photo. If they were my neighbors, I don't know if I would be able to tell them apart like from a distance. If I had a conversation with one and then had a conversation with another, maybe I could tell them apart a little bit more. But you have to remember when Sarah went to her neighbor's door, she had burns on her face like she well she could have been crazy enough to set herself on fire we have made it very clear that sarah is not super smart i think it's highly likely that she just like did a bad job setting the fire herself maybe and like got caught in it basically Ooh, ooh. what if and this is just a weird other hypothetical uh she tried to do a controlled fire to see like maybe since she dismembered the body she was trying to burn a part of the body to like see how it would burn or something and it got out of hand like she tried to do a controlled fire it got out of hand yeah and she got burned trying to control it like that's also a possibility like maybe she wanted to see if like burning the body was a viable thing i could see that too that's what I think this case is so interesting because there are, it's technically, the murder is solved, yes, but there's still a lot that, like, we just don't know, and and Sarah's not talking, so. I guess their house didn't have a fireplace. The controlled fire thing, I think, would, that theory would go out the window if they have a fireplace. She, she basically, (laughs) like, to the police's face was like, no, I'm Stevie, and just thought that, like, oh, yeah, that we'll take your word for it. Like, it's fucking, like, 1805 or something. Like, she she really, like, if you're going to do that, then you're really just thinking that there is a chance that the police are just going to... So, um, at work. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I did that. It was, that was, it was the Alexis. The <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is something I do. Fuck me. Anyways, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been compared to Alexis. You've seen that gif? Yeah, I yeah. forgot where she's like... Anywho, we're talking, by the way, we're talking about Alexis from Schitt's Creek, if you haven't seen Schitt's Creek. Um, that is a character that when that... A little bit of Alexis. A little bit of Alexis. <laughs> there was a time in my life, in recent history, mostly 2020, 2021, uh, where I would randomly, by people I would just meet, get compared to her. And I was like, you know what? Or people who'd known me for a long time. And I was like... Well, you do this thing too a lot. I did that before she did it. Okay? <laughs> I, I know. Okay? I know. I've always done this. And I've always been like... Like... <laughs> like, it's like a little thing. Like, the little hand thing. Like, I've always done this. And it's not my fucking fault. A popular character on a TV show has the same mannerisms. I can vouch for this. You have always done that. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways. It's not a bad thing. I think it's great. Everyone, we all love Alexis. <laughs> I hope it's cute and not obnoxious. It is cute. It is a little weird it's sometimes cute. seeing it on TV and being like, I do do that. <laughs> I do act like that. But I hope I don't come across the way she comes across because she comes across as like so oblivious. And I know I can be oblivious and I have been accused of being oblivious, but I not, hope it's not, not that not, level. <laughs> not on her level, no. Her level is like another planet. And I like to think I'm somewhat on this planet. Yes. <laughs> you have like one foot on this planet and one foot on your planet. <laughs> She's just, like, fully on another planet. She's fully not here. Reeling it back in. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, my job. I have a job. My job, by the way, is I, uh, like, alter and resell designer purses, which also sounds like something I guess Alexis would yeah, do. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, it does. Yep, I 
spruce up and resell Louis Vuitton purses. That is my day job. Louis Vuitton. It's a little baby company called uh, Leather Phoenix, and we're cute. So go look it up. Anyways, we sell <laughs> cute stuff. Um, and I it make is super and I cute, actually. and I make them. So <laughs> we listen to true crime all the time as we're sitting there just working on these purses. The whole company is three of us. She started listening to interrogation tapes. I think it's a YouTube series where they take interrogation videos. They're someone who is like an expert on like behavioral and they like explain the behavior that they're doing. Yeah. Like this is the guilty behavior. This is the thing we're looking for. This is what the police are looking for. And this is why we're, we're asking this question to see yeah. if we get this response. And there's so many people who just like will not give up the lie. But the lie is so crazy obvious. Like, this one guy, he didn't, luckily he didn't murder her, but he beat up his pregnant girlfriend, which is super fucked up. Very sad. And it was very clearly him who did it. There's a lot of holes in his story. Part of the holes was him driving to a particular destination. The whole point was someone was in the car with him. And he finally was like, yeah, I drove to this place. And they were just like, was anyone in the car? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. And they were like, you don't know if someone was in your car? And he was just like, no, I like didn't check. I just got in the car and just drove. So I don't know if there was someone in the car. Like it honestly would have been more, it would have made more sense for him to just say no. This is sounding so familiar. Like the I don't know is such a stupid answer. I don't know if someone was in know. my car. What kind of an answer is that? It's just like shit like that. Um, There was one particular girl that this was super disturbing because it happened in like 2008 and she's like our age. 15 year old girl who um murdered a nine year old just because. And she was a scene kid of fucking course. And I was like, God damn it, stop that. Giving stop us all a bad name. Stop that. Don't give us a bad name. But yeah, she just like did it, but she kept up this whole lie for fucking ever. That she just digs holes as a hobby. She would not let that go. They were like, so why did you dig this like body-shaped hole? <laughs> What's up with that? I can't if not talk about holes in this hobby. Like, this I'm holes. tired of digging grandpa. I'm tired of this grandpa. What? That's too damn bad. <laughs> Girls straight up told the police to their face dead ass, yeah, I like to dig holes. I just dig them. And they're like, what kind of holes do you like to dig? And she's like, all kinds of holes. <laughs> what? I just like to go out there what? and I just dig. I don't think about it and I don't plan it. I just dig them. And they were like, well, when did you dig this hole? Are there other holes like it? Like this hole seems a little different than uh, the holes like you described digging. This one very specifically is like Body a grave. <laughs> if we were to go to this area and dig up some of your holes, would we find the remains of this nine-year-old who went missing? What the fuck is your problem? Like, But yeah, she was like, yeah, digging holes is a hobby. I'll teenagers do it like she acted like it was the most normal thing in the world for a bored teen to do is to go in the woods and dig holes no. all right so when you said stolen identity identity theft my first thought invasion of the body snatchers <gasps> yes. it's not like like I don't think of like oh my identity is stolen and now someone else is out there with my name like I'm always just like there's someone in your house and they look like you but they're not you like that you kind of know thing what Stephanie Meyer ruined for me this with her book. Host? Yes. I never read it. I did. Oh, no. I did. And I hate myself for how much I liked it when I read it. Oh, no. I I read it. What was it about again? 
basically like aliens that come and take over humans' bodies. Did she like fall in love with the alien in her body or something? No, the alien in her body falls in love with a human who has not been invaded. Invaded. Assimilated. That's so creepy. I hate that. It is very creepy. There's some very like low-key kind of like rapey things about it. Well, Stephanie Meyer has always had low-key kind yeah. of rapey things in her yes. books. I mean, look at yes. Twilight. But I hate it because now anytime like like Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of stuff comes up, that's what I think of and I hate it. Oh. So, Can you unruin it for me please yeah okay Thanks. so absolutely so that's the, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I think of like I go straight to like paranormal in my head and so there's this very specific creepypasta I read before I started this podcast and this creepypasta I was on like a little creepypasta train and it helped me inspire it helped inspire me to actually creepypasta train <laughs> I was I was on a creepypasta train until I like couldn't sleep and was like okay I gotta stop this yeah it's affecting me now <laughs> But it helped inspire me to start this podcast because yeah. I wanted to talk about shit that I read about. I'm not going to read the creepypasta because we would be here for like an hour. This person who lives in this apartment complex, they work from home and they realize that they've been working for too long and they haven't really gone anywhere or seen anyone. Mm-hmm. But, and they get like kind of paranoid about like the outside world all of a sudden. What if the outside world's like different now and like all this weird stuff because they're just like... I. Because they were, like, talking to their friends via, like, email or, like, eh, like messenger, that mm. sort of thing. And they felt like some of their friends' responses were weird all of a sudden. And they were mm. like, that's weird. And one of their friends said they're going to come by and, like, check on them. Had this gut feeling like, that's not my friend. Like, I don't know who this person messaging me is, but I don't think it's them. And, like, it was this whole crazy thing. And their friend comes and checks on them and knocks on the door. And they hear a knock on the door and they just freeze. And they don't say anything or do anything. And they're just like, if they just stay quiet, they'll go away. And they, like, have, like, a little surveillance camera camera or they like look through the eye peephole something along those lines it's just their friend there and they're like I don't think that's them it's that's someone pretending to be them who looks just like them like I don't think it's them it's like this whole crazy like paranoid delusion all this is a trick to get them to leave their apartment and as long as they just stay in their apartment they're safe and that like all these people are trying to lure them out and like it's this trick the whole thing's a trick and they like they're completely convinced it's a trick when they start trying to express this to anyone like via messenger or email they're like that's insane that doesn't make any sense like we're just checking in on you like you're okay Ooh, and then they just get more like and they get more and more paranoid oh, like you're in on it yeah and they just think everyone's like in on it and they just like go further and further down this delusion until like they start trying to find holes in people's stories of like memories and like where they've been and stuff like that and be oh like you're God. not this person that's not what happened like this happened but the thing about it is there's this one friend in particular where, like, they did have a hole in their story, and it didn't actually match up with what happened. But am I overthinking it? Like, maybe I'm the one who's wrong, and they're right. This sounds so stressful. It was really stressful to read, and it goes down this whole rabbit hole of them, like, losing their mind, this paranoid delusion, and then and they refused to let go of, like, this is all a ruse. To the point yeah. to where the ending of this story, they get put into, like, an insane asylum over all of this craziness. And people keep visiting and being, like, like family members and being, like, I just wish you could accept that I am who I say I am. Like, Aww. you said that I'm not. And all of a sudden, but then at the very... And then they're, like, starting to come around and be, like, maybe, maybe they're right. This isn't a whole ruse or whatever. And, like, right as they're about to try to, like, maybe accept that everybody is who they say they are, 
are they overhear a conversation uh from the doc i wish i had the exact quotes but they overhear a conversation from one of the doctors about being like man this guy just really won't like let this go like he's really on to this like basically confirming everything that he was right it is a ruse that there's something like controlling the environment oh my and god and all these people aren't who they say they are ah. but they're trapped Ooh. there in this like you know padded room it was so creepy it was With, so like, creepy the knowledge that you're right but you can't do, do anything, anything about, about it, it. Yeah, oh, that's so, crazy. So that was like the shortest version of that creepy pasta. I wish I had the name and the author, but I read it so long ago. I don't remember. But when I thought of like identity theft, I thought of that. Basically, you everyone's identity has been Yeah, you don't like nobody is who they say they are. I don't really have like a story to go with this. This is just the research I did that was kind of fun. Yeah. I decided to look up. I know there is a condition though where you believe someone in your life isn't who they say they are. I Two different there's two different delusional conditions. So Capgras syndrome is the first. Capgras? Cap, Capgras. It's French. Capgras. Capgras syndrome. Mm. It looks like Capgras. Capgras. But it's Capgras. It's a rare condition in which someone believes that their loved ones or others they know have been replaced with doubles or imposters. And it's super rare. Like, it's not common at all. Sometimes people who suffer from, like, schizophrenia and other, like, and, like, Alzheimer's and dementia Mm -hmm. will have this happen, but it's, like, not. Usually it's fleeting. Like, it's really Mm -hmm. rare for someone to be, like. To hold on to that. To hold on to it for so long that you're, like, no, 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 no. But there has been some cases with, like, extreme levels of grief and whatnot that have triggered it. Like, there was a one case I saw with this wow. woman. Uh, she had three kids. Two of them died. And the survivor, she was convinced, was not her kid. Like, she was so convinced. And they were like, but it is your kid. And she was just like, no, it's not. My kids are dead. They've passed away. And then there was, like, one guy who, he got into some sort of injury. When he woke up in the hospital, uh, there, his mom was there, and he was like who is this? And it wasn't that he forgot her. Like, he recognized, he was like, she looks like my mom, but she's not my mom. There's, like, one case of someone who was interviewed. It wasn't really, like, a long or interesting interview. It was a little episode of NPR where they talked about this, mm-hmm. where this woman was, like, all of a sudden, like, she's sitting on the couch, and then she, like, the man next to her is wearing the clothes of her boyfriend, but she doesn't think it's her boyfriend, and she's, like, confused all of a sudden, and she says, who are you? And he was, like, thinking she's joking and he's like who are you give me a kiss or whatever and she was like freaked out but like kissed him and said that it felt super foreign and weird and like he was someone she'd never known before that's terrifying it was weird i think it's a little weird that she kissed him if she really thought he was someone she didn't know i mean i guess if you're like that confused though like mm -hmm. it can be sometimes like you just kind of go along with things when you're confused but she said kissing him like felt foreign to her like it wasn't familiar like nothing about him felt familiar to her physically and that's what unsettled her so much there is something to be said about like physical closeness with someone also that physical memory yeah capgras syndrome and i mean and my super not expert or like medical opinion because i don't have the correct <laughs> degrees to be making these statements but i'm gonna make them anyway so it's yes. my podcast i feel like the capgras syndrome is probably a rare syndrome because the part of your brain that's being affected ha- must have something to do with physical memory because you can visually these all these people visually recognize their loved ones as people they know but they feel physical discomfort 
Yeah. And I feel like yeah. it has something to do with physical memory. Or I know in some cases there were people who have facial recognition problems. Mm. I don't know. That would make sense. But the, oh, that's so scary, though, that it can just happen that fast. I know, but it's so, so rare. And there's another syndrome, though, called the Frigoli syndrome, which, Frigoli I, can only, which syndrome. I can only assume is Italian. I didn't look at the history. It's, it's gotta be. Delusional belief that one or more familiar persons, usually persecutors, following the patient, repeatedly change their appearance. Say someone attacked you, and then you go to the baker, and all of a sudden you're like, that's them in disguise. And then you go to the mailman, and you're like, that's them in disguise too. That's like also it's, terrifying. Like, it's this idea yeah. that, like, there's this person in they're your everywhere. life who's out to get you, and they're disguising themselves as different people in your life. <laughs> it's the guy from Spongebob, the, the, the guy selling, uh... The God. bags? Yes. The chocolate bags? Yes. He's a bag for your bag. He's like different mustaches. Yes, it's him. (laughs) Ooh, I don't know which one is scarier. Yeah, it's so freaky. Because like on like one level, you have like a personal relationship that you're questioning, but then on the other hand, it's not like your personal relationships are fine, but it's like every stranger you meet. Like, could be someone in disguise who's yeah. trying to hurt you. Also terrifying. Yeah, it's also scary. Like, these are really scary syndromes to have. Paranoid Mental delusions are not something theft. to fuck with. That's all terrifying stuff I looked into. So then that led me down this additional rabbit hole, which is a very short rabbit hole. So this brought up the idea of doppelgangers. Ooh, yes. Right? Where it's like, that's what Capgras syndrome made me think of. It's like, I'm living with the doppelganger, like someone pretending to be someone yeah. else. There has been cases where people do impersonate other people yeah like there's a lot of people who come back pretending to be missing persons yeah. like someone's missing child someone's people missing sibling get, like, plastic surgery to like yeah look like a certain person and that's something i know kelly and i talked about in our based on a true story episode when we talked about the movie with angelina jolie yeah. changeling mm-hmm. which is you know a true story where a kid pretended to be this missing kid mm-hmm. to live in la and like that's something that happens it would be Don't throw way it. harder now. It'd be way harder to do it now. Social media, like oh yeah, I I learned through my thing as I didn't know this. So a doppelganger is actually a supernatural phenomenon and not what you call someone who looks just like someone else. Someone who looks just like someone else is actually called a dead ringer, which huh. we've heard that phrase. But yeah. a doppelganger, like very specifically, is supposed to be like a ghost Ooh. that looks like you. What a lot of the folklore and like history of what a doppelganger is. Doppelganger is German and it literally translates to double goer or double walker. And if you see your doppelganger, it's a bad omen. A lot of times Ooh. it's a sign you're going to die soon or something tragic is going to happen soon. Like if you see someone else's doppelganger, supposedly something bad is going to happen to that person. So like you're seeing what, what they're going to become after what's about to happen to them. So, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes they look really gaunt and dead. Ooh. Sometimes they look fucked up or something. Or oh, like they're wearing creepy. different clothes. Yeah. yeah. And it's so fucking creepy. And there's a few stories uh, throughout history of, like, a doppelganger sightings. So there's this one woman in particular named Emily Saget. Saget? We'll say Saget. Saget. I like that. Emily Saget. So this is, like, 1800s. 
time where everyone's goth and weird. Yeah. You know, everyone's kind of like on that goth train. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Everyone was dying because arsenic. I mean, so, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, kids were sick constantly. How can you not be a little morbid? So, this woman was a teacher. Weird thing about her is she went through 19 schools. Oh, my God. And, like, a 10-year span. Ah. But every single time the school gave her a rave letter of recommendation. Even though she was fired, they would make sure she got a job at another really good school because she was really good at her job, which is weird, right? Yes. So the last school she was said to have been known to work at or be seen or whatever was in Latvia. And it was like a hoity-toity, like, ha-ha-ha, rich kids <laughs> school, like an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like kind of a bitch. Yeah. And, like, noble and stuff. She actually, this teacher in particular, was really popular there. Like, she was very well-liked, which is mm-hmm. a huge feat in a school like that where everyone's a yeah. bitch. But it was super weird that she'd been through so many schools. And basically, what was happening was literally right before everyone's eyes, a doppelganger would show up next to her. Emily couldn't see it, but everybody else could. Emily was the only person who could not see the doppelganger, and she didn't know when it was happening. She did recognize sometimes when she was told it was happening, she would feel really exhausted and drained all of a sudden and just be, like, super tired. Ooh, that's creepy. So there was, like... Oh, so creepy. So there was, like, a, there's a few weird sightings. Like, the one where it was straight up, it just happened in front of everyone where everyone was like, what the fuck? Um, there was a class of 13 girls, and she was writing on the board, and all of a sudden, a doppelganger appeared next to her that also that was just mimicking her movements it wasn't holding chalk and it wasn't writing anything but it was just doing the exact same thing as her right next to her nope nope and the kids were like nope nope uh uh-huh what but most of the times like people didn't piece together like sometimes the doppelganger would be in a completely different area of the school so they would think that they saw her when they didn't but the thing about the doppelganger is that it never seemed to interact with anybody it didn't really seem to like talk to anybody okay it didn't really seem to like do much, but just do something else. Uh, there was another instance where Emily was out in the garden doing something. She had like a substitute teacher or another teacher with her class. And so that teacher had to like walk out for a second and didn't think anything of it, not realizing she's leaving the kids alone because Emily was sitting in the chair right there in the class. Like, that's how corporeal this, like, doppelganger so looks. She, she's like, why do I need to be here if Emily's right here? She like, was like, she, she, you know, she just stepped out. One of the, some of the kids, like, looked out the window and saw Emily in the garden and was like, what? And then, like, looked at Emily in the chair and was like, what? And at this point, there was, like, 40, there was, like, a ton of kids, not 42, but there was, like, a lot of kids in this class and they were all like, what is happening? Yeah. But the, Emily in the chair wasn't reacting and one of the kids tried to, like, touch her no don't do that to see like what would happen it felt like there was like a almost like a fabric barrier like they couldn't touch her like there was something keeping them from being able to touch her that's some x-files shit that is so creepy that is some crazy x-files shit i don't like that and so then like it but emily said that from her thing her standpoint was that when she was in the garden she remembered looking up and seeing an empty chair in her classroom where she would have sat and thinking to herself, oh man, the teacher's not there. Like, I hope the kids don't act out. Like, I wish I was there to be able to keep an eye on them. So she, like, 
weirdly accidentally astral projected herself. And that's a theory, is that she's unintentionally, because she works so hard, she wants to be able to do more work, that she's unintentionally astral projecting herself oh in God. order to get more things done. Like the and ultimate that, overachiever. <laughs> yeah, like she's like, like actually, so that's a theory, that's one of the theories. There's other theories that somehow, like, there's an alternate dimension that, like, because there's some... Oh, um, like some multiverse shit. Yeah, there's some mythologies that believe your soul is, like, split up into different, like, entities and places or whatever, like, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And so they feel like somehow, like, hers is, like, crossing over into the same, like, plane of existence. They're doing the exact same thing. Sometimes they're doing slightly different things because, Jesus Christ, these cats. Because sometimes, like, the timeline has altered, like, that Emily chose to yeah. be on that side of the school instead of here. That sort of thing. This weird, like, astral projection situation that's interesting and that's probably the most famous like largest case written about of a doppelganger schools kept firing her because it just creeped them out too much they were like this it was like such they're like we love you but you're weird they were like you're a great teacher but like stop it and she's like i don't know how and they're like you gotta go you're freaking people out man it sounds like i'm gonna bring it back to harry potter as usual (laughs) The Defense Against the Dark Arts position it's, being cursed. It's been a and while since you brought up a Harry I Potter know. reference. <laughs> it was time, past time. The Defense Against the Dark Arts position. The professor could only be there for a year and then they would like die or like whatever. Or something would happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so crazy. So another uh, really famous story of a, a doppelganger is actually Abraham Lincoln. This is ringing a bell. You've probably heard it in school. I didn't. It rang a bell, and then I was like, I have heard this. Because his wife was kind of esoteric-y. She was like, she's not a psychic, but she was like, I kind of subscribe to that. Like, I'm pretty sure she didn't go Harry Houdini's wife's route, where it was like every Halloween. But she, I do remember hearing something about her, like, trying to contact him after he died. And like, Ouija board kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyways, the night Abraham Lincoln was elected president, the mm-hmm. first time. Um, the story goes is that he looked, he was sitting on like a couch, there's like a m- long mirror, and that he looked in the mirror at himself and saw two of him. He saw himself as he is, and then he saw a second version of him in the mirror where he just looked gaunt and like dead almost. Like really just not healthy looking. Obviously freaked him out. There's no one sitting next yeah. to him, it's just in the mirror. And he's like, what the fuck? And he told his wife, and his wife said she interpreted this and like very famously interpreted this as I believe this is a sign that, you know, your first term that you'll be elected for two terms. Your first term will go well, but you won't survive the second term. <laughs> Oh my god. And like that's not the first time I heard of his wife like predicting his death. Yeah, no, the second you said that I was like, this sounds very familiar. Yeah. There's like other famous people having like claimed or stories of them having seen their doppelganger and then something really bad happening yeah. to them. Um, there was one story in particular, I didn't write down his name because I didn't know if I was going to go into all of this. Wolfgang something, he's a famous old German author. His little story was he was riding his horse because it was during horse times. During horse times. Right. 
He was riding his horse somewhere, and he saw a man on a horse approach him who looked exactly like him, wearing different clothes, and he thought that was kind of weird. Creepy, okay? Like, a few years later, he was walking back the opposite way down that road and, like, had that memory of what happened and was like, oh, this is where I saw that guy. He looks just like me. And then he realized he was wearing the exact same outfit he saw that man wearing three years ago. He saw himself wearing Yeah, and he ago. feels like he saw future him, like, coming down that road. Like, it was, like, a weird time thing that's so weirdly specific (laughs) with the outfit yeah like he specifically remembered the outfit but it's also very like non-conspicuous like you're just going down the street on your horse like it's not necessarily like a big momentous like occasion that you would remember yeah it's just you're just on your horse like I feel like if you were gonna have that experience it would be some sort of really important moment in your life or something yeah that would like be like the impetus for it but instead it's you're just like just on your horse. Just on my horse, bro. Yeah, so, I mean, I just think all that stuff is really interesting. Like, I just always, I never stop to think that a doppelganger is a reference to, like, an apparition or a ghost or something. No. That's not how we use the term, like, colloquially. Yeah, and then it actually made me remember a story a friend of mine told me. So, my friend Sarah, she and her sister used to live in, like, this haunted house. Like, they lived, they moved a lot, but there's this one house in particular they told me they were, like, this was totally a haunted house. Like, they, it was the only place they had ever lived that was haunted, and it was, like, super creepy. And so, Sarah said that one day, so the way that their house layout worked was, like, like, you walk into the room, there's a kitchen, and then on the other side of the kitchen is a hallway that leads to bedrooms. Mm-hmm. That's important. So she walked into the kitchen and saw her sister sitting at the table, like, looking down, mm-hmm. just sitting there. And that she was going to say something, like, what are you doing? But then all of a sudden had this, like, overwhelming instinct to not say anything to her and just kept walking and then decided to leave the kitchen, walk down the hall, and then saw her sister sitting in her room. And when, so if there's the one hallway, how could... How, that's impossible. It's impossible for her to have done that without have getting up and walking yeah. past Sarah. So Sarah, like, walked and, like, ran into her sister's room and shut the door and was like, holy shit, you were just in the kitchen, but, like, it wasn't, like, what the fuck? Like, it was super creepy. Well, that's also creepy because how... I mean, I guess other than that instinct, like... How did she know that the second time she saw her sister that that wasn't also an apparition? Right. Well, I guess she just felt comfortable. Just like instinctively. Like, like, like I, I think it was because that sister reacted to her mm, and yeah. like looked at her where the first one just sat there with their just head down yeah. and didn't react or move at oh, all. Oh, that would be so creepy. So fucking creepy. That would be so Ooh, I don't like, mm-mm. All this doppelganger talk made me think of the movie that I we love so much, Us. <laughs> I just just watch that movie. I just want to yeah. use this as a leeway to recommend it to you guys. <laughs> so quality. It was such a good movie. Us is so good. Us by Jordan Peele. Yes. Good ass movie. Involves doppelgangers. So no, good. that's like a the perfect kind of like. I'm glad that I'm glad that you went this direction with it. Yeah, I did have an original like true crime story, which was about like this girl who was obsessed with this other girl, so she killed her and tried to assume her identity. But we've all heard that. <laughs> I just, I think this is a different take on it. That's because I I don't know that I would have gone down this rabbit the hole. The identity. So to speak. Yeah, I was like so I could go is... the true crime route with identity theft which my story I ended up not going with it because she didn't really she wasn't okay it was a story of Rachel Barber which is that story is a fantastic example of how the police need to do their fucking job and like listen to people literally this police department said that they don't actually start looking for people until after five days that they're missing 
five days. Because they were like, yeah, she's 15. She's probably a runaway and she'll turn back up. I won't even start looking until after 48 hours. Well, the number of people who are still to this day missing or were killed because the police just like took their fucking sweet ass time. Mm. Yeah, no, it was ridiculous. And they actually like made the mom like feel really bad. Like, they tried to make her feel really stupid and really bad for, like, being so intense on trying to find her daughter. The woman, after days and days and days of, like, just being exhausted trying to talk to the police, she just got so mad one day and, like, threw her purse at the cop car. And they were like, you know, you can't do that because we'll have to arrest you. Can you imagine the story? Mother of missing child arrested for throwing her purse. Like, how petty would that arrest have been? Are you kidding me? Like, they threatened her with that? I'm just like... Are you fucking with me right now? Are you fucking with me right now? Oh my god! Turns out Rachel was dead the whole time. Very tragic. And part of why it took them so long to find her is because the person who killed her was someone who hadn't had contact with her in years and was like her old neighbor. So who was like hard. her, who's like five years older than her, was her babysitter at one point. Obsessed so like, with her, but uh, they had no idea because it was 1999, so there wasn't like self, they didn't have social media. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was stalking her on social media or any signs like oh that. God paying attention to their teenagers that much at that time like she really didn't need to kill her like killing her was so not important because the identity she was going to assume which like you'd think it was going to be Rachel like she she had lost a bunch of weight to try to fit in Rachel's clothes because Rachel was a dancer so she's like a very specific body type Mm -hmm. and Caroline was like pudgy and like not that body type she wasn't fat she was just like bigger and like she tried to like straighten her hair and like dye it and like all this shit and whatever Uh, and like tried to get a loan to get plastic surgery to have her face but wasn't gonna use the name rachel barber so that's why i feel like i can't fully say it was identity theft she changed her name to like jim jim like 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 J-E-M, gem. Um, so she she was basically going to like base a new identity off of on her. Rachel. She like came up with this whole like she she had journals. She journaled everything. There was so much evidence. Oh my god. There was so much evidence because there's all of these fucking journals. She like wrote out her whole master plan in a fucking journal. <laughs> And part of it was her new backstory, which was Rachel's life. She was going to move to a new town, start over, and, like, the way she was going to talk about growing up in her history was literally Rachel's life. And it was so creepy. But she was going to change her last name. And then here's a weird, another weird part. She was going to change her last name to Barber, because that would be too obvious. She was going to change her last name to Rachel's mom's maiden name, which is, like, creepier on That's a weird level. That's even worse. That's, like, even creepier that, like... That you... She went that far into Rachel's life. That she knew the mother's maiden name. Like, Rachel's mom's maiden name. And she was going to name that her... Like, it was, like, Schaefer or something like that. Like, it was... She was going to name her last name that. I could not tell you anyone outside of my family. I couldn't tell you anyone's maiden name outside of, like, family members. Well... My family members. You want to know how she got caught? Epilepsy wins for the day because Caroline was epileptic and passed out in her apartment. (laughs) With all the evidence. Those seizures will get (laughs) you. No, she had a seizure from the anxiety of the police showing up. What? So the police were coming to, like, talk to her, and she's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. They were like, seizure. I had a seizure. 
dude, she was like dead ass passed out because they had to get the police, the fire department to break into her apartment and she was just passed out on the floor. She had had an epileptic seizure because she did have epilepsy. But at this point, the body had been moved <laughs> to her dad's farm. It had been buried and um, she, she didn't have a car, so she didn't drive herself. She hired movers to move furniture that had Rachel's body in it. And then she tried to pin the murders on them. And they were like, lady, we were just hired oh by God. you. We didn't know we were moving a body. Don't blame your crimes on movers. So the way she describes everything, because she now finally like admits that she did it, because for a while she was like trying to say she wasn't guilty, and it was these two men pressured her into like moving the body and like whatever, and it's just like it doesn't... But why? None of this makes sense. Like, what is Rachel doing on your side of town? Why was she at your apartment? Like, there's a lot of fucking questions to be had here. Like, also, you have your master plan written in all these journals. I mean, it is sad that she had such low self-esteem, but, like, you can have low self-esteem and not and murder. And not kill people. Not murder people. But she, this girl, she drew, like, pictures of herself where she thought she was, like, super pimply and, like, fat and ugly and awful. And what's weird is, like, if you actually look at photos of her, she, like, doesn't look how she describes herself. Like, her skin is clear. And, like, her hair is, like, wavy, but it's not, like, thick and frizzy. And she's not obese. She's curvy. Yeah, she's just, she's just not a dancer's body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, I remember looking at pictures of her and being like, she's not actually ugly, like, at all. Like, I was so confused, but I was like, I guess she just, that body dysmorphia, man, it'll fucking get ya. I don't know. Anyways, I just think it's, the whole thing's bullshit. I don't think she is remorseful in the least bit. No. Ended up going way more into detail about that than I should have. <laughs> I honestly left out a, a fuck ton of details, so you're it welcome. It sounds very complicated. You're welcome. Identity theft. Identity theft. <laughs> With me, Hunter Moore. And me, Katie Adkins. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out with us and keep, keep it, it creepy. creepy. <laughs>